read the 25th verse, but this is talking about the beast power and uh, the thing is going to come to pass and is coming to pass daily. Uh, probably because eyes are blinded, we can't see it or we don't understand it. But there's a lot of things coming together in uh, lives. From Mr. Baxter, who writes The End Time, he's had a meeting with Gershon Solomon. And this man says that if everything continues like it is, the temple could be rebuilt this year. Now, he's established what they call a temple institute, and it already has prepared vessels and instruments for the resumption of animal sacrifice in preparation for the rebuilding of the temple. And he also has already the cornerstone prepared for the rebuilding of the temple. And they are also having schools to teach priests again how to deal with the animal sacrifices and all of this. And he feels like the accord that was signed between the Arabs and Israelis marked the beginning of the seven-year tribulation period. So that all remains to be seen, but we do know these things are happening behind the scenes. Nobody hears anything about. And uh, the United Nations, of course, are, is seeking to make their mark upon our society and is really gathering some inroads at that because individuals don't understand that they are prepared to take over the entire world. And they're prepared to take over, first of all, and I notice they're pushing that, our educational system, and of course, well, that is item number one on President Clinton's uh, agenda is to get education, as he says, back on track. In other words, uh, teach our children something they don't need to understand and don't need to hear. Already there is uh, the uh, communist in the United Nations since its inception in 1945, uh, the Secretary Generals, there's been one communist and six socialists have controlled this. And all of the undersecretaries, all 15 of them, have been communists. And the one that is present now is communist. So you have to understand that they're seeking control of the whole universe. Now, some of the nations don't have any choice. But I've said it and I stand behind it. The Israelitish nations in which we are a part of uh, has a choice. God's nation, God's people has always had a choice. They've had a choice to accept him or reject him. And should our nation accept Christ, well, we're not going to see or feel the blunt end of the worst tribulation that humanity has ever had. Should we reject him, of course, We'll be in a sad state of affairs, and of course it rains on the just and the unjust, and uh, the Christians will suffer mightily. So no wonder there's a call in our nation to get back to God and get our nation back on track, because this is something that the church cannot do. It comes from the government. The government is the only one that can keep us from taking the mark of the beast. If it, if it isn't taken nationally, we won't have to take it individually. And so we need to understand that there's an all-out effort coming along to seduce our nation into the areas that we don't need to be going. All right? Also, we have, as he pointed out, the uh, most challenged books that tops the list, and they're selling very well, 
his daddy's roommate, which depicts in picture form, as far as children is concerned, small children, the life of a homosexual parents. And then the second one is Heather has two mommies, and that is a picture book, also giving down into the first great areas, depicting lesbian parents. And, of course, Christians are fighting that, but the sad part about it is they are selling well. They are doing good. They're topping some of the list, and yet in spite of everything that they can do, they're still, still selling, and they're seeking to introduce these books and have made it on some occasions in the larger cities. They're seeking to place these books in the schools and make this part of the curricula in which children have to learn by their thing is that it is a growing thing. You're not going to get rid of it, so to understand it. Let our children understand it. Their thing is that uh, the older generation has never understood homosexuality, and therefore it ha has a, a stigma to it. And so their ideas and opinions is to uh, get this generation to understand it and let them know what it's all about. And say, they start in the impressionable mind of these children. And there doesn't seem to be much of a wave against that. Seems like they're just doing whatever they get ready to do, and parents are still allowing their children to free reign where they ought not to be. And all of these things brings us to the place that we need to understand some things is happening. The beast power is about to take over in the ninth and uh, seventh chapter of Daniel, and he says, and he shall once he takes over, and he is. He shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a times, times, and abiding of times. That's the last three years and a half of the tribulation period of time. But I want you to understand also that this is a climax of those things at the end of the three years and a half or at the beginning of the three years and a half it doesn't necessarily mean that it just started then right. so if we understand that why we have to understand that there has been many antichrist in the world ever since john wrote it in first john 2 and 18 and so these type of things have been working undercover and they're still working and he's seeking, he speaks great words against the Most High. And you have that, people are not afraid to curse God. They're not afraid to go against God, not afraid to deny God. And seek to wear out the saints of the Most High. And I want to deal on that one particular point tonight. Is our endurance level, and how is our endurance level, because it is the enemy's focus on our soul, to wear us out. Amen? To wear us out. And I might add sometimes on some lives he's doing a remarkable job uh, wearing people out to the place that many of them already have dropped out of church. Many of them have lost the fight. And many of them have, have lost the, the move of God in their spirit. And they have simply just wore out. Tired of fighting the powers of the enemy tired of wrestling against him every time they wake up and every time they go to bed and awareness of the soul but we need to recognize this was a carefully designed plan with Satan from the beginning and this is a way he's going to destroy the saints of the most high if he can at all so we need to understand we're in that stage 
And what is happening to us is not accidental. It was predestinated by the devil himself and orchestrated by him. And he is moving in the realm of the Christian people. And anybody that wants to do right, anybody that wants to seek the ordinance of God, anybody that wants to understand how to live and how God wants them to live, is simply war sometimes to a frazzle as they place, face these things on their job on the streets or wherever they go. It's hardly any time at all for us to find some nurture someplace. It's a continuous attack to the enemy upon lives of good saints of God that want to make it in. But we have to understand that there is some endurance to be done. Now then turn to St. Mark 13 chapter... And the 13th verse, why don't I just read all of that, and that'll give you some semblance of what's going on. Jesus, in his uh, discourse on the Mount of Olives, near his disciples' questions, he answers them, and he said, He went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And in other words, looking at the beautiful temple, beautiful building that was there. And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And, of course, that happened uh, some thousands of years ago, 2,000 years or better, when he come in and destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And Jesus predicted that. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of all of these things shall be fulfilled? That's a very, very viable question. Ought to be asked today. We ought to be asking. We ought to be seeking. We ought to be finding out from God when is the climax, consummation of these things going to be. What's going to be the sign when all these things are fulfilled? In other words, he was asking, really, what's the sign of your coming? And Jesus answering them began to say, First of all, he says, take heed lest any man deceive you. There's deceptive, deceptive practices in man. Deceptive practices in professionals, same thing in religion. His admonition was, take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean these individuals are going to come up and say they're Christ. They're simply going to preach that he is the Christ. But in the midst of all of that is some erroneous doctrine that he's warning us to be careful about. And he says, they're going to say that I'm Christ. They're going to admit that I'm Christ. But they're going to deceive many by some of their ministry. And then he says, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. Don't be troubled. For such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. You notice how gentle he is telling you they're going to be. I don't want you to be troubled by those things. And it is troubling humanity. And what he was trying to say is, I want you to rest securely on me. I want you to understand that while these things are going on, I'm still in control. I know what's going on. I know where you're at. I know what's happening. Then he says, nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be earthquakes in diverse places. There shall be famines and troubles. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. In other words, what you're seeing 
enveloping our world, earthquakes in Japan, earthquakes in the United States, earthquakes uh, in India, these things, what you're seeing is just the beginning of sorrow. Famines, people, children dying, people dying by the thousands, and I just read someplace before the year 2000, in India, as well as other places, especially India, there's going to be 10,000 a day die from AIDS. 10,000 lives snuffed out by the AIDS epidemic. And then there is uh, another disease that has come up called the eating disease, and it starts in and it eats the flesh by, I think, uh, consumes, in other words, 15 hours after you contact this disease, it is ate the life out of you. Now understand that. Pestilence. Earthquakes, famines, troubles, all of these are the beginning of sorrows. All these just begins what we're going to see a lot of. No wonder Christians ought to be on their knees asking God to control again one time from the government on down, the highest office to the lowest of this nation. Bring us back to God. Get us on our knees. Awake us from our complacency and our lethargy. And let us understand we are God's chosen people. He wants to bless us. He wants to keep us. But it's up to us. He's leaving it in our hands and said, If you want me, I'm there. If you don't. You know what Jerusalem suffered when they said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children, and the pathetic voice of Jesus can still be heard. Two thousand years later, he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killeth the prophets and stoneth them that are sent unto you, how often would I have gathered you under my wings as a hen doth her chicks, but you would not. In other words, just one silent cry of somebody concerned about it, and I would have taken care of you, but you didn't want it. That's what he's saying to our nation today. If you'll just arise from the complacency, don't be relaxed. You can't be. You're in a battle and you're fighting. And if you'll just submit a cry to me, I will take care of you. It has been his desire from the onset, from the time he called Abraham out of his land, set his feet on and said, get you into a land that I'm going to show you. It's been his desire to pick out a chosen people, and he did, and he called the nation Israel, and he said, I'll bless you, and I'll keep you, and he still is if we're willing to do it. I'm saying again, we are the only nation that has a choice in our destiny. Anytime you read the Bible, names are changed, but they have no recourse. They're going to do what they're going to do. But the nation of Israel, which we are modern day Israel, has a choice as to what it wants to be. We'll just simply open our hearts and our minds to God. Our nation could be spared the troubles and turmoil that is going to happen all the way around. And we could be what God wanted us to be, a haven of rest for lives to come and seek the God of heaven. Somebody has to tell people about God. All right. And then he goes on to say, then take heed to yourselves. For they shall deliver you up to council. And in the synagogues ye shall be beaten. And ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake. For a testimony against them. I realize the full climax of that hasn't happened yet. But we, a lot of us, have been delivered up to councils. As far as uh, mentally is concerned. We have been judged. We have been judged harshly. And we have been judged untruthful, truthfully. And uh, in the synagogues have been beaten. Now uh, you can be beaten with words. And this has happened. And then he says before. I'm going to come. The gospel must first be pre-published among all nations. 
In other words, there is a job. 95% of missionaries come from the United States of America. And those missionaries need our undivided attention, our prayer, and we need to loosen our billfold a little bit and give them some money to do the job on because Jesus can't come until every darkened portion has at least heard the gospel one time. And we are responsible for it. If we can't go, then we can send them. A church that is not missionary-minded is not a church that is functioning under the presence of God. You open your spirit, you open your mind, you open your pocketbook to missions, and you get that first and foremost, and you're going to see God blessed, spiritually as well as materially. But he says, now, you've got a job, these things are going to come to pass, but the gospel has got to be preached. But when they shall lead you, deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither do you premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not you that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now, this has already been tried in, in China. My wife spoke concerning that. When this individual was so tortured that he couldn't remember anything, but he had so embedded the Word of God into his spirit and into his life that whenever they asked him a question, he would answer them by a scripture. He had memorized the scriptures. Now let me tell you something. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to read. I'm going to study the Holy Ghost. Tell me what to speak. All he can do is bring to your remembrance what you already know, what you place in there. That's why we need to be Bible students. That's why we need to read the Word of God. All right. Now, brothers shall betray brother to death. Father, the son, the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, I want to end with that scripture. He that endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. That word endure from the Greek means several things. It means bear up under. It means to last. It means to suffer through. It means to submit to. Or it means to undergo. And I just read you in Daniel where the beast power, full power, seeks to do two things. That's to change times and laws and to wear out the saints of the Most High. As I said before, this will climax it so it's safe to assume that many antichrists are in the world have already begun their work. Now, what tactic do they use? Well, what will cause a faster wear on anything? Anytime you have friction, things rubbing together one against the other, then you have a lot of wear. And figuratively speaking, that is talking about a lack of harmony, friction in the home, friction on the job, friction in the church. And this is Satan's design to wear out, to cause people to be despondent, cause them to be depressed, cause them to be disturbed, and cause them to simply sit down and say, God, I can't handle it anymore. And this is friction. This is wearing on individuals. And this is what causes the things that is going on. But the main thing is, as one old minister said, now the mainest thing is, now the mainest thing tonight is that we have to struggle against is the old Adamic nature warring against the divine nature, always warring and never in harmony. Right. Now, there is an answer for that, and that's to feed the divine nature more than you feed the carnal nature, and the divine nature will be stronger. 
All right? Anytime you feed two dogs and you don't feed one very much and you feed the other and that one's the strongest. All right? Now that's what's happening in our world today. Uh, Satan is moving upon us a test of endurance upon us. Can we, in these last days, by the onslaught of the devil, everything is going on, division, unloving, uncompromising lives live the way they want to live it, are we going to be able to resist this power that is coming to wear us out? You've heard people say, well, I'm simply wore out. Well, that's just not a minor phrase. That is just simply a feeling of lives. That is a mental feeling and a spiritual feeling of lives among Christians that I'm just tired. I've fought the devil and I've fought the devil and I'm tired. Don't you know, saints, that is the design of Satan to destroy you? That's what he's trying to do. Sometimes we fall for those age-old tricks. Mark, of course, and you've heard this before, tells about the seed sown on stony ground that received the word, had no root in it, endured for the time. Endured for a time. In other words, if we're going to endure unto the end, our roots are going to have to go deep way down inside and get a hold of the rock and the weary land and the shelter in the time of storm and get a hold of that and not be shaken by the things that's happening in the world today. In other words, look at it and say, Devil, try your number one shot. I'm still founded upon the rock which is God. We have to do it, saints. And it said it endured for a time. We've already saw lives of Christians that have endured for a time. I mean, life has become so wearisome. Ministers, I talked to them. And ministers at one time ministered under the inspiration and power of God. Has decided they're tired of fighting the rat race. Trying to please people. Are preaching with no results. And have left the pulpit and went out and got secular jobs. Wore out by the tensions and trials of this present day. But the Bible says, and remember it, he that endureth, not for a time, not for a season, but he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. That shoots a hole in that uh, theory of once in and never out. Amen? I mean, that shoots a big hole in it. When it simply says, you've got to endure unto the end. Now, that's something that the church don't hear a lot about. We hear a lot about dancing and shouting and speaking in tongues and playing around. Well, you know, the little kid songs. Uh, here we go around the mulberry bush and all these little things. And you never hear anything about the spiritual life of an individual having to endure these problems and endure these lives. Now, Jesus has said to us often that He's not going to allow anything to happen to us that we're not able to bear. Now then, the Bible lists at least five things in which our endurance level is going to be tested. Now in these tests, God wants and seeks to perfect us. He wants to get the wrinkles out of us. Amen. He wants to clean the spots off of our garment. He wants to put us through the test to see just how established we are in Him. Just how close are we to Him? Just how much do we really believe Him? When things are going all wrong, and there is no light any place, 
How much do we believe that he still says he's the light of the world? Amen. Amen. When we're walking through a valley, how many of us believe that he said he would walk with us even through the valley of the shadow of death? And he puts us to a test to find out if we do or not. Mouth, lip service is easy. Amen. We can sit back and say, well, I don't understand why so-and-so couldn't make it. I don't understand why all this happened. And then when it starts in with us, we need to realize clearly design plan of the enemy to invade our lives, confines, take away our peace from us and the peaceful existence and challenge our right to live forever. And this he is doing very successfully. 1 Timothy 2 and 3, and you just mark that down. These are not a startling revelations. These are very simple little scriptures uh, that very seldom we ever notice the, the fullness of it. And Timothy is warning and says, Thou therefore endure hardness or hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In other words, Paul was letting us know that there is some endurance level in being a soldier. Now a soldier is a fighting machine. A soldier is an individual that has to be equipped to fight a war. Anybody that's ever been in the army understands that they, you don't just go in there and pick up a rifle and they send you out to fight a battle. They harden you. They toughen you. They send you through some of the things that you wouldn't think would be humanly possible for you to endure. But yet little by little, they get to flab off of you and put some muscle on you and get your coward streak out of you and put some bravery in you and teach you how to be a soldier. Now God wants us to understand that you don't just come to Him and automatically you become a real hard-nosed soldier. There is some discipline that has to take place in our life. We have to understand that. There are some places that we have to go. There's some jogging we have to do. Uh, there's some uh, traveling we have to do over miles. And there's some obstacle courses that we have to get over. And there's many things that toughen us up to become a soldier where it says, now you're ready to go to battle. Friend, you don't go to battle and sit in a rocking chair and walk there. You go with a, a rifle or whatever in your hand and you go ready to fight the enemy and ready to destroy him if you can at all. And God is saying through the mouth of Timothy uh, that you've got to endure some hardships. The life of a soldier is not easy. It takes you away from your family. It takes you away from, it takes you away from your good life. Come on. Amen. I mean a lot of things you'd rather not do that you have to do. And a lot of things you would rather be doing than they're training to be a soldier. Training to be a fighting man. But Paul says that in the spiritual, you have to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In order to be that, you simply have to endure some hardships. There's going to be some things come your way that you don't like. And instead of whining around and crying around about it and say, oh, look what the devil did to me, just say, this is necessary for me to make a fight against the devil. If I want to secure my place in Jesus, these things that are there are necessary. I'm going to make them work for me. I'm not going to let them destroy me. I'm going to make them work for me. I'm going to let it toughen me up. 
And the devil's going to see that he can't come along and just blow me over. I'm going to give him a good fight. The church needs to wake up to that too. That we need to give the devil a good fight for his money. And while this is going on, God is trying to perfect us. Trying to mature us, trying to make us tough. And by these same tests of endurance, the devil is trying to destroy us. You see, uh, in these areas, a person could go two ways. Depending on his abilities to endure. I mean, there's a lot of individuals when trials come, they just submit, fall apart, and uh, just allow the devil to have his way. But these things come along that God wants to perfect us. And uh, then number two is found in Timothy also, four and three. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now you've got church houses full, and I've been around pretty much all over the United States and some places in foreign countries, and all they want to do is play. Give us a little simple message that will tickle our ears and cause uh, something to run up and down our spine where it don't challenge us in any way. Where our lives is alright, even though they're not alright in the eyes of God. But Paul says there's going to come a time when the endurance level to the gospel and to sound doctrine is going to be tested. In other words, he's saying there's going to come a time when you're simply going to have to set, grit your teeth, and endure what God's telling you that's wrong with your life. You may not like it, but you're going to have to accept it. And old pride don't want that to happen. Did you ever notice, and it goes a lot, that if, if uh, we feel like this ought to be done, and we feel like that ought to be done, why then we feel like everybody else ought to do it? And then all at once when we don't feel like it, nobody ought to feel like it and nobody ought to have to do it. Isn't that terrible? But that is the consensus that we predict and, and push out in this world today. In other words, what Christ is trying to tell us, sound doctrine is going to be a test to you. God will take care of you and He's trying to perfect you with sound doctrine and Satan is trying to destroy you. In other words, Satan looks at it and says... You don't have to go through that. You don't have to sit there and take that stuff. After all, you got the Holy Ghost too. So you just do whatever you want to do. You don't have to listen to what the preacher says at all. You just go on and live your life. With, with that, same thing where God says, I'm going to perfect you and mature you. The devil is trying by that same method to destroy you. What is your endurance level? How much sound doctrine can we endure? How much challenge to our ragtag, ragtag way of living can we handle without getting upset? When we know it's truth, when we understand that it is, when you're in the Bible, don't refuse it, saints. Don't take a thing I say from this pulpit if it cannot be backed up by the Bible or from any other pulpit. But anything that says here that is biblically proven, you need to accept it. God is trying to tell you something in your life. Yes. Timothy again. He's an expert on that. Number three. But once thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Now just some things. That's going to come in your life. That God is not going to wave a magic wand. And say be gone. Now just some things in your life. That you're going to have to accept. As the way it is for a reason. 
And the Bible says you watch out in all things. Timothy is telling that. Uh, Paul is telling that to Timothy. And he says, now you're going to have to endure some afflictions. Right. Now, Timothy, you're going to take over my place when I'm gone. And I want you to look at my life. It hasn't been a life of roses. It hasn't been an easy life. In fact, I've given up almost everything, materially speaking, in order to please Christ those things. I want you to understand this. I was afflicted by the powers of the enemy. You're going to be also. But you endure those afflictions. What's our endurance level? Afflictions come. We don't have any understanding of why they're there. We search our life and wonder, what did I do? What caused this? And that's fine, well and good, and you need to do that. But there's some things that come there that God allows. Just to see what your endurance level is. And he is letting us know that these type things handled right will perfect us and mature us. And by the same token, if we don't handle them right, Satan will destroy us. It depends on our abilities to endure. Hebrews 12, 7 says, If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. Now, chastening is either going to mature us, and a lack of, a, a lack of it is going to kill us. Amen? Yes. James says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation or trials, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life. Without trials and suffering, we cannot learn obedience. Right. Hebrews says that. Talks about our example in the Lord. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience. How did he learn it? By the things which he suffered. Without obedience, we cannot be made perfect or mature. I think that's one of the failings in the church today. Is there's no obedience. If something is asked of us, if we want to do it, fine. If we don't want to do it, that's just fine anyway. And we don't understand that whether that hurts or hinders, we don't understand that obedience is something that God loves. Better than sacrifice any time. Two people agree with that. Three people. But where it said where two or three agree on any one thing, it shall be done. So we'll accept that. Okay. Uh, Hebrews 5, 9, and said, Being made perfect or mature... That was Jesus. He became the author of salvation. See, by these trials, things that we go through, God matures us. And by those same things, Satan tries to destroy us. So how can we endure? I've just told you all of these things are going to happen. Just told you all that is coming to face to face upon this world. I've just told you some of the things we're going to have to endure. Now the question is, how can we endure? How are we going to handle this? How are we going to keep from being worn out? Well, it's not a real deep, dark secret. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Charity or love endureth all things. Now, isn't that a startling revelation? But yet it's something that we are not understanding. When we get in love with God, when we get in love with His Word, when we get in love with who He is and what He is, 
and get in love with Him to fulfill His commandments, we can endure whatever comes in our life. You say, a life well-loved with the love of God is going to reduce any friction there is in lives. The cause of friction, for the most part, is because there's not enough of the oil of love oiling the joints and causing, uh, not causing no friction. The Bible talks about that over and over and over and over again. Charity or love endureth all things, not just a few things, but everything. If you love God, if you love your fellow man, you're going to endure whatever comes your way. It doesn't matter what it is, you're going to endure. You're going to come through that uh, like a shining example of light and you're going to come out on the other side with your hands raised in victory and say in the face of Jesus thank God I have established myself in you and I'm going to make it hallelujah I feel something in that praise God praise God hallelujah Hebrews 11.22 tells us how Moses endured. By faith, he forsook Egypt. <laughs> now that's simply telling us to get out of the world. I mean, the world has no part in us and we should have no part in the world. Sad as it may seem, we still try to straddle the fence. But he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Man, that'll do something to your endurance level. I mean, hey, look, your eyes have never feasted upon Jesus. You don't know what He looks like. You don't even have a picture. But friend, if we live in the Spirit like we ought to, we can see and feel and know that invisible force as it surrounds us and walks us through any trial or any trouble or any tribulation that might come our way and we see Him. By His power and by His might and by His love. And when we see Him that is invisible, we can endure whatever comes our way. Thank God for the enduring power of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. Thank God for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the foundation that standeth sure, having the seal of the Lord nor them that are here. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. Thank God for the ability to dig deep and get up on the solid rock of Jesus. Hallelujah. We need to see Jesus. Amen. We need to see Him in lives. We need to see Him in our brothers and sisters. We need to see Him in the house of God. We need to see Him as He walks the street. We need to see Him, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We need to understand that He's there. 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25 says, For all flesh is as grass, all glory of man is the flower of grass, the grass withereth, flower thereof fadeth away, falleth away. But the word of God endureth forever. Friend, listen, I've found that to be so. I went through trials and you have too. I went through tests where whatever it was took all the shout out of me. 
Thank God took all the dance out of me. I even come to a place when I couldn't speak in tongues and I reached down and got a hold of the divine word of God and it was there just as solid and intact as it ever was. And I've lived off of that word and we're going to have to learn how to do it. God anoint us, keep us. And Lord, let us know the word of God is necessary. Let's get it out from this Bible and put it to life in our lives. Recognize who he is. What he is. Hebrews 12 and 1. I'm going to get done in just a minute. Just hold on. If I can find Hebrews. How many of you know it's in the Bible? Alright. Hebrews 12, 1, 3. Another good old scripture, but my God, what it says to us. Wherefore, seeing ye also are compassed about so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Friend, listen, there's joy that's set before us. It was not what he was enduring then. But it was a joy that was set before him. The Bible says he endured the cross and despised the shame and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. It's not the areas we're living in now, although we can see some faint glimmers of light once in a while. And it's not what we're undergoing now. It's the joy that is set before us. Let us laugh and liberty. And one of these days, uh, all hell is going to be placed in the pit of fire. And these to wipe all tears from our eyes and we're going to walk in the confines of heaven and we're going to be able to sing glorious things of God and we're going to be able to know without a shadow of doubt this has been worth it all I've endured and I'm glad that I endured I can stand in the heavens and glorify God hallelujah looking looking unto Jesus seeing him that is invisible Looking and understanding Him. And realize He's the one to begin our faith. And if He can begin it, He can finish it. And then seeing something. You see, if you can't believe, there's going to come a time when all of these things are coming to an end. If you can't believe that, you can't endure. How could Jesus have ever endured the cross? If he had not realized what he was doing there. Why are you here, Jesus? I'm here because of thousands of life that hang in the balance. That have no salvation. We are not here. In other words, I'm here because of you. Endured the cross. Despised the shame of it all. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And there is where he was. Stripped of all his modesty, beaten and bruised, torn to ribbons and ridiculed. Yet there was a certain joy. As I think he looked down through the corridors of time and looked down and saw your day and mine as well as others from that time and looked down and saw and said, I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to stay here. 
and I'm going to die for them and they're going to be redeemed and I think he probably looked at this small gathering at Community Chapel and said there's going to be a joy in my life to see them redeemed by the blood of the Lamb by the power of God and he endured the cross he despised the shame thank God for Jesus hallelujah Luke 21 and 19 says in your patience possess ye your soul what is our endurance level Revelations 14 12 here is the patience of the saints here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus this sums it up by our patience by our ability to endure is the way that we possess our soul God didn't promise us a rose garden God didn't promise us everything was going to be just fine but he did promise us that there is not a trial and not a temptation and not a path you have to walk but what he's there to walk it with us that's seeing him which is invisible and that's enduring that's enduring that's placing everything aside and enduring and then we can take what Mark said he that endureth until the end counting these trials and tribulations as maturing lessons for us rather than getting down and moping around and wondering what in God's green earth has happened to us say God I want to be full and holy I want to be mature and if it takes this then lay it on me Lord I'm going to grow through this I'm going to grow through this. And I've told you before, and I've went through them, and I'll go through them again. But I've learned one thing that I didn't know years ago. I've learned that I can make any trial work for me. I know that if I can learn something through it, whether it's placed on me by the devil or by a God allowing it, I can learn something in it. And I can be stronger and more mature. I want you to stand with me if somebody will help Brother Billy get ready for baptism. But while you're standing here, I want you to just, in your own life, say, Lord, I've been at this thing too long to fail now. I want to make it. I don't want to be like some of them. I don't want to fall by the wayside. I don't want to endure just for a while. I want to endure all the time. I want us to shut our eyes, close our eyes. Father, we thank you tonight. You've been a good God. God, and we thank you just for still being mindful of us, caring about us. God establishes in your love. Let love have its perfect way in our lives. Master, how great it is to stand in your presence and hear from heaven and know that you have not forgotten us. That you said you would go with us all the way, even to the end.
of the world. Yes. Now, my master, we've opened up the book. We have done the best we can. And God stabilized these souls. Master, the trials we're undergoing, just let us count them as blessings. Hallelujah. Let's worship in this case. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Precious Master. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we adore you tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you for caring enough about us to love us and care for us. My Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Feel the touch of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some way as the song says, I feel the brush of angel wings. The glory of God. Oh, how He loved us. How He loved us. I spent His time. Coming now to what they call the Easter season. Celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. One of the greatest events that the world has ever known. And he endured it all. That he might pass to me the ability to endure. To the end. Whatever the end might be. Whether it's to the grave. Or whether it's when he comes. To just endure. Despise everything that's happened. But look to the joy of what's coming. Hallelujah. Friend, it's not over yet. Hallelujah. I said it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Hallelujah. Rise, church of God. Be soldiers of the cross. Hallelujah. Save our nation, Lord. Provide an harbor someplace for souls. Keep us ever mindful of you, Jesus. Hallelujah.